If uh, you just plan on showing up, um, make sure you get a ticket before you do that, and you can do that after the service or see somebody, they'll get you a ticket for that. But um, we're going to get into God's Word this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and I don't know if you've ever been lost. To me, there's a couple stages of being lost, uh, and I'm just talking about uh, naturally, not spiritually lost. Um, like that first stage is maybe you just took the wrong exit and you just missed it, and you're like, oh, that was my exit, and you know that you're now not in the right place, but it's a pretty easy turnaround. You come back, and you get on that next exit, and your, your amount of lostness was pretty small. And then there's that lostness where you have this growing concern that I've missed it somehow. <laughs> Nothing looks familiar, and uh, I don't know how to get back. And whether that's in the woods or whether you're on the road or you're like, I uh, don't know what to do. And then to me, the last one is you're so lost, you don't know you're lost. You think you're heading in the right direction. You think you're moving towards your goal. You think you're getting closer, but you're so lost that you don't even know you're lost. And that's pretty lost. Uh, it's amazing how our mind works, and, and I think in, in terms of uh, not driving in a car or on freeways, because some of that is, is messed up. We've talked about this before. It, it really messes with me that, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm heading south and I want to go north, I have to go this way that leads me under and around, so I have to go west before I go east, and it's just some of that weirdness, whereas if you're just on natural ground and walking... Uh, if you want to go north, you turn and face north. But I can also tell you this, that when you can't see the sun and you're in unfamiliar territory, that as human beings, uh, whichever arm or leg of yours is dominant, pretty soon, given enough time, you'll walk in a circle. And you won't even realize it. Uh, You'll move in places. You'll see things that trigger a memory that you don't even have of an area. Oh, this looks familiar. I think I remember that tree. Well, you've never even been there before. You can't remember something like that. Um, And I just wonder, as we translate and transition to God's Word, if you've ever had that question. And so imagine you're hiking. Imagine you're, you're out, not in a car, not in a place where there are signs, And you have to ask yourself the question, is this the way? You come to a place where there's maybe two or three or more trails. Is this the way? And I want to ask you a question up front that I hope will guide us through the message this morning. First one is this. Do you know that the path that you're on is going to lead to eternal life? Do you know? Or are you guessing? Do you actually believe that the Bible says that there's a way to choose that and then to live like that and that that leads to eternal life? Or are you just following the crowd? You see, just because there's a crowd, it doesn't mean they know where they're going. And Jesus understood this. And one of the things that we're seeing in our very modern world is this fact that we tend to, as modern Christians, follow the crowd because how could that many people be wrong? We see it all the time. And without the guilt of some ultra strict religion. I'm not talking about that. But he says that you have to make a choice. And and here's the current reality for everybody that's here this morning. You chose a path, and you were the one that followed that path until you either decided, I don't like this, where this has ended up, and hopefully you switched. Or you just thought, well, I'll just keep going because other people are going. They must know where they're going. And you're being led, but you don't even know where it's leading to. And you need to ask the question this morning, is this the way? We sang that song this morning that He is the way. 
Now, if you believe that this morning, then that means that the way that he does things is the way we should do things. And if you're not doing those things, then you need to ask yourself, is this the way? And he is the truth. Well, if he is the truth, then things that are opposing or opposite of him must not be the truth. So is this the way to truth? And if he is the life, then I should live the type of life that he lived in the manner in which he lived. And if you're not living in that manner, then you need to ask yourself, is this the way to live? Because I I hope to shake you awake this morning to the fact that if you just stay on cruise control, you may end up in a place that you don't want to end up. And it may chew up a lot of your time and your resources, your emotions, and you don't end up where you think you're going to end up. When there is a very real choice, because all of us that are born are set on a path that's already been well-established And unless you deviate from that natural path, you will find that you don't end up where you want to end up. That's the trick of all this, if you want to call that a trick. But that's the truth this morning in a nutshell. Is this the way? There's a path before you, one that's been clearly established and clearly marked. And there's another path. There's only two paths that the Bible talks about this morning. And in Matthew chapter 7, we're going we're gonna to see this. It's just a few simple scriptures, but I even remembered this poem. I, I had to take a class in college on the humanities, and I really didn't like it. I'm not that uh, into that type of stuff. But Robert Frost, uh, from his uh, poem, The Road Not Taken, I just want to give you a little excerpt of this and hope that you understand this morning. And, and forgive me for that this is a very poetic way of saying this, but this is what he says. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now, Robert Frost, I believe, was talking about adventure and trying new things. But I want you to look at that last part. I took the road less traveled. And he goes on before, if you've ever read that poem, that he came upon this and there was one that was well-worn and he could see that and there's one that didn't appear as well-worn. And he decided to take the road less traveled. Church, this morning, there is a well-beaten path before us that many people see and take, and yet I'm telling you, we need to take the path less traveled. This is from the mouth of Jesus. This is good news this morning, and if you haven't been on the right path, here's even the better news. Because of our gracious God, you can stop that path right now and take the right path. Isn't that nice? No penalties, no payments. Just stop that direction and go the other way. But you do have to choose. You do have to choose. So let's look at God's Word this morning, if you would. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Please, please bring that up, in, uh, either on your phone or read it. Uh, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Is uh, The world is full of subterfuge. The world is full of what we now call false news or, or fake media. And, and people, no matter how good their hearts can be, we can miss it. And, and I want to be accountable that you see what I see when I'm reading it so that you're not just trusting me. You, need, you can trust God's Word. And, and I'm going to do my best to be a trustworthy communicator of his word. But there's been lots of pastors, lots of preachers, lots of men with uh, all kinds of alphabet before and after their name that have missed it. Now, they didn't intend to miss it, but somewhere they got off. And people just followed them despite the word saying something very different. And those people got led astray. And the Bible is replete with words to us saying, beware of false teachers, beware of false doctrine, beware, 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 take heed. And so I'm telling you, take heed, not because I'm trying to hoodwink you. I don't really know what that means. I'm not trying to mislead you, but I also want to be held accountable to the Word, and you need to see what God's Word says for you and to you this morning. Are you ready? Here's what he says, beginning with verse 13. He says, enter by the 
narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. Now, we talked about this, right? It's a well-worn, well-established path. And it says if you choose, if you don't choose the narrow gate, look at this. You can't just go by default. I just went where I was sent. If you go by default, it is the broad path. And that way leads to destruction. I don't want to see you destroyed. I don't want to see your faith destroyed. I don't want to see your marriage destroyed. I don't want to see your finances destroyed. I don't want to see your hope destroyed. And choosing that path only leads to destruction. Even though it looks easier, even though it seems like there's so many people on it, how could it be wrong? It only leads to destruction. Look what he says. There are many who go that way. Don't go with majority thinking. Don't think the crowd knows what it's doing. When it comes to our faith and it comes to an eternal destination, the crowd can very likely be wrong. And I look around and I'm telling you, our current culture is wrong. Regardless of age, regardless of where they've been, the reality is they are on a well-beaten, broad path because it offers the least resistance. It lets them do what they want to do, but the end leads to destruction. No matter how good it looks up front, it leads to destruction. Okay? Verse 14. The narrow is the gate, and the original language says straight is the gate. Narrow is the gate, notice this, and difficult is the way which leads to life. It doesn't look like that broad, beaten down path. It may look like a narrow winding over hills and through some, some area that maybe you're not sure you want to walk through. That's the path that it says, but that way leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, now listen, because of our English language, because of how this is set out, many people confuse this. And, and, and yes, this is about salvation, but it is also for those people that are already saved. This is not just choose Christ and you're on the path. You can choose Christ and still walk the broad path that leads to destruction. And your life will be a mess because you're not choosing His way. So it's not just salvation this morning. It is salvation, but it's not just salvation. If you haven't chosen Jesus Christ, you're on a path to destruction, according to him. But once you've made that decision, now he sets you down in your life. You can choose, and now you get a fresh view. I don't have to walk that path. Maybe there's another path. And now we see it. And so it's not that it's hidden when it says that there's few that find it. It's not like you have to push all the plants aside and and figure out where this is. Or it's like Indiana Jones, you got to find the hidden entrance. It's none of that. What it's really saying is that few there are that choose it. It's not that they couldn't see it. They just said, mm, that looks easier. All my friends are going that way. My church is going that way. My... And we have a responsibility. You have to individually choose. And if you don't choose, you've chosen. Okay? If you don't choose, you set on default. Remember what I said? By birth, you are set on the wide path. And if you set on default, you are on the path to destruction. You may say, Pastor, my life's going great. I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter what you're making right now. It doesn't matter where you're living. It doesn't matter how well-dressed you are. When the end comes, and it usually gets here faster than we think, when the end comes, you will wish that you had made a different choice. You may not see it right now. You may be enjoying being on this path. But there's coming a time where we will be held accountable for the choices that we made, the actions we did and didn't do. And it won't be me that judges you, and, and it won't be you that judges you. And it won't be culture that judges you. It will be the Lord God who stands in righteous judgment that determines whether we chose wisely or poorly. This is 
ultimately important because the great news is if you've been on the wrong path, you can switch today. That's the great news of the gospel. Or you can be stubborn and egotistical and say, you just know we're talking about all of my friends, that this and this, this and this recent survey and that and this, and that's fine. And, and you could probably win that argument, but I'm just telling you the simple facts. I've been on that path. I know where it leads. Talk to anybody that's ever been saved that's really living the life, and they'll tell you that path only leads one place. And you have to choose between, do I want the narrow path that's, that few people choose? Verse 15, why is this so important? Here's why. Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. And that's an, an old type of a parable of them trying to look like they're something that they're not. But inwardly, they are what? Ravenous wolves. They're just trying to use you. They only have their own intents. Now, why is this linked here? That's a great question. You see, sometimes we read these passages out of context. And, and above this passage... He's talking about ask, seek, knock. Would a man give a stone to his child that asked for a fish? Certainly he wouldn't. God's a good giver, and he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. And then he says you, then he transitions into this passage, and it's like these things seem to disconnect, but I'm going to show you that they do connect this morning. But in a way, maybe you didn't understand. Here's these two paths set before us. And the hard part is, until you receive Jesus Christ, you may not even see the other path. And even those that have received Jesus Christ because of maybe how they got saved or the environment that they're in, they were never directed to that other path. They just stayed on the path that they'd always been on, thinking that now I have Jesus, everything's great, and I'm here to tell you that's a lie. Because there's many people who find Jesus Christ, but they wander that path of destruction long enough, and pretty soon they're not doing what Jesus says. They're not living like he lives, and their life is falling apart, and they're wondering, this isn't working for me. I guess all my friends were right. All your friends weren't right. The problem is you're not living the life that Jesus said to live. Maybe that's what's going on in your marriage. Maybe that's why things aren't going well at work. Maybe that's why you've lost your peace. Maybe that's why you feel burned out. Maybe that's why there's no hope in your life, is you're on the wrong path. And it's as simple as making the adjustment and just trusting not me, but God and His Word, that if you choose a different path, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And the reason it's difficult is because it's narrow. (laughs) And you think, well, that makes it sound like it should be easy. Just hang on with me for just a minute. Let's understand our choices here. Okay? Okay? First of all, there's only two choices. And again, uh, this is so contrary to the world and so contrary to how we have... Well, I, I want more than two choices. I'm sorry. There's only two choices. Well, that sounds kind of narrow-minded. It is, because we're designed to choose the narrow. <laughs> because that way leads to life. There's only two choices. You've got... Destruction, or you've got life. Now, when he said that choose the gate that is straight, that means the the Greek word stenos, which means that there's obstacles standing close by. It's really meaning that there's pillars showing where the entrance is. Think about that. If you go this way, there's an obstacle. If you go this way, there's an obstacle. You squeeze between the obstacles, and there's the path. But the problem is we tend to want to go around the obstacles, And as you go around the obstacles, you find yourself on the wide path because there's no obstacles on the wide path. Then he uses that word wide, which means platus, which like plate, spread out, flat. Look, it's just like, it's like if you've ever been there, Plano, Texas. I think you can see all the way past the edge of the earth from there. It's flat. Flat, flat, or if you've ever driven through Utah, I mean, you can almost take your hand off the steering wheel. Okay. How long have you been driving without touching the wheel? About two hours. 
Because it's just a long, straight road. Then he uses this word narrow, which is a tongue twister in Greek. (laughs) Thlibo. Say that. It doesn't feel good. Thlibo. Thlibo. Lay that on somebody on Monday when you're talking to them, you know? You're looking pretty thlibo this morning. Now, this is what's funny. Thlibo, even though we use the word narrow, means crowded, afflicted, thronging, suffering, tribulation, or trouble. It's crowded because it's close in. Remember I said those two obstacles? Imagine walking through the slot canyons of Utah. Tall walls. Maybe one, maybe two people at a time can walk at the same time. It's crowded. But it also says that it's filled with some affliction. Notice that these things aren't leading to death, but affliction can be things that come at you and either strengthen you or they make you back up a little bit. One way, and only one way, leads to life, and that way, according to Scripture, is not easy. It is simple, but it's not easy. And one way leads to destruction. Ruin, loss, that's what that word really means. Ruin, loss, waste, perishing, death. Now, which one do you want? Which one sounds good to you? I choose perishing, affliction, death. I, I think that sounds good. I want ruin in my life. I want a lot of waste in my life. That's, that's what I want. But you didn't know that. You just said, hey, everybody else is following that way. Now, my question, as I've already said to you, which one are you on if you think you haven't chosen? Can't somebody choose for me? No. But what if I consciously didn't make that choice? You did. And even if you thought you didn't, now you've been given another choice. Now the question is, what are you going to choose? Today's the big day for you. If you've been on the wrong path, you get to switch. If you're on the wrong path and you decide, uh, I don't think he's right. Talk to generations and generations all the way back to the first century church and see which one plays out. That it's not easy, but it leads to life. And I guess that's the question. Do you want destruction, loss, and ruin? Or do you want life and life abundantly? Which one are you on if you haven't chosen? You're on the wide path. And the beauty of the gospel and the wonders of the grace of Jesus Christ is you can switch today. In fact, you can switch this moment. You don't have to wait till I'm done talking. You can switch right now. I mean, that's better than your phone contract. You've got to wait two years. That's the glory and grace of Jesus Christ that gives you the choice. You've been on the wrong path? I'm glad you finally see that. Let's switch. Let's get you on a better path. Now, it's a better path, but it doesn't look like the other path. Guess what? The reason it's narrow is because it only lets in what's going to be important in your new life. You've got to put all the baggage aside. You've got to leave all your pain. You've got to, I mean, think about that. Imagine all the stuff that we think we've got to carry to go with us. That's easy when you walk on the broad path. There's lots of room for all your ego and all your complaining and all your mess and all your past and all your hang-ups and all that stuff. You can carry that easily. But if you're going to go through one of those little slot canyons, there's just room for you. And you've got to check all that stuff at the gate. You see, we're resistant to this. I mean, look at the airlines anytime. Guess what? Right? Because they know, just like we know, if they didn't restrict what we brought, we would bring everything. How many bags do you need to check? 58. 
Oh, how long are you going to be gone? About three days. And we get upset with that. How dare you want to restrict me? Blah, 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 blah. Here, the Bible is just saying, hey, it's not really a restriction. You don't need that stuff for where you're going. It only slows you down. It only wears you out. All your ego, all your baggage, all your past, all your pain, all your old story of who you used to be, you don't need that where you're going. You get to be light and free, and you're going to be able to manage just fine. You just keep following me, and I'll lead you to life. But what do I do without my my identity of being a victim? You get to be free. You get to be a new creation. You get to be something different. You get to be something extraordinary. Being a victim is just the common thing today. That's the broad path. Being free? That's not held against you? You don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to walk in that anymore. You don't have to think like that anymore. You don't have to have that identity anymore. Maybe that sounds scary, but how freeing is that? You can be on that narrow path. Here's what the message says. I love how he summarizes this. This is what he says. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market or the culture is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do it. Right? Don't get so sold on all that religious stuff. I mean, you can do this in your spare time. Just on a, just an hour on Sunday and you're set. I'm telling you, no. I'm telling you, it's going to take more than an hour on Sunday. I'm telling you, it's going to take more than thinking that I'm the one that's supposed to know the Bible so you can skate by. I'm telling you, it's going to take a radical change in our lifestyle. And the reason why is going to be explained in just a minute. Not because I I think that we need to be monks that are set apart from society. In fact, I think we need to be embedded more in society because they need what we've got if we'll live the right way. The reason that there's not much change is we're not living it. We're on the broad path. Well, I've received Christ, Pastor. You can't say that. Yes, I can, because I can look at your life. And it doesn't matter what you claim. There's many, many people that claim to be Christian, and they don't do anything that the Bible says. So why do you call yourself that? You wouldn't call yourself a football player if you played basketball. I can call myself anything I want. Yeah, you can, but you're a liar. And they go to hell. Did you know that? That's a happy thought, isn't it? Happy. Verse 14. Don't fall for that stuff. The way to life. This is important. The way to life, the way to God, which is life, is vigorous and requires total attention. Right? you got to stay, or pretty soon, you know what? Your feet begin to drift back to the wide path. Just by force of habit, you see culture around you, and you think, i got to compare myself with them. No, no, no. You compare yourself with Him, not them. You compare yourself with God's Word, not the local media or the local things that we're supposed to compare ourselves to. Who cares what they say about your marriage? The reality is, what does God say? about your marriage or your relationship, your job or your thoughts or your attitudes. That's what's important. But that's a switch. That's a change. It requires total attention. Verse 15, be wary of false preachers who smile a lot. I like that. Dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they are out to rip you off somewhere or another. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. There's a wonderful pastor that I follow. His, I shouldn't say his teaching, but I, I agree with the way he lives his life. And he defines character as this. The will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. 
the will to do what is right as defined by God, not by me and not by the society around me, defined by God, regardless of personal cost. That's character. And that's why we see so little of it on display today. What do you mean it's going to cost me? Character will cost you something. Taking the narrow path may cost you something. Uh, Most of it, all the stuff you're going to lose and a lot to gain, but it may cost you something. And that's why so few people choose it. I don't want my faith to get in the way of my future. I'm telling you, if your faith doesn't get in the way of your future, your future is destruction. Your faith better lead your future. If not, you've bought the wrong package and you're on the wrong path. And I don't know why we do this. In most of our life, we're pretty cautious. You know, you go on vacation, you see some guys that look like they're in a boat that barely floats, and they say, hey, we found this parachute in the garbage. You want a parasail? Sign me up. Sounds like fun. How many times have you done this? You're our first customer. This is going to be awesome. Or do you say like me, uh, thanks, but no thanks? Excuse me, is that duct tape holding the plane wing on? Yeah, it's strong, though. We've got it. This is going to be awesome. If a fiery, terrifying crash is awesome, then I guess you're in the wrong place. Come on. Apply what you do to the rest of your life to your faith, and what would you choose? No parameters. Anything could happen. Who cares where it leads? You don't do that when you drive. You don't do that where you live. Why would you do that with your faith? How about this will show you exactly where it leads. It leads to life, but it's going to require some attention. You can't set it on cruise control and just think it's going to be okay, or your life will go back to the broad path. Don't be impressed with charisma. You need to look at character. Now, why is this so important? Great question. Go to verse 12 didn't have it on the screen, but he finishes up the, the passage above that as he's talking about being a, a good father that gives good gifts. And verse 12 says this crazy thing that seems out of context unless you see the heart of the master. Here's what he says. After talking about being good gift giver, he knows how to give good things to those who ask him. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, knowing all of this, knowing that somebody that loves somebody else wouldn't give them something that would be harmful. I wouldn't give my son a scorpion when he asked for an egg. I wouldn't give him stone when he asked for bread. I wouldn't do that to him. Therefore, knowing this, whatever you want men to do to you, this is what we used to call the golden rule, right? Do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, he says that phrase one other time when he says, love your neighbors. Because by doing this, all the law and the prophets hang or hinge on how you love those around you. Got it? So, notice this. He says, if you'll just do to others... What you would want done for you, that's showing love, and on that is the law and the prophets, and you're well on your way to life with me. Now, how does this connect? Because it seems so disconnected. Here's how it connects. How are you leading other people with the way you're living? Are you showing them how to run at breakneck speed on the wide open path? That only leads to destruction. That your lifestyle, 
that has nothing to do with the Bible, that does not honor Christ, that doesn't even give him a wink or a nod during the week. The only thing you do is you show up here for a couple hours thinking everything's going to be okay. I'm telling you, if that's how you're living, you may have said, I want to be saved, but you're still on the path to destruction. Or are you leading others on the path that leads to life by saying, listen, it's not that easy, but it is so different than that other path. And I know that it leads to life. And I don't have to have all the hang-ups, and I don't have to be the person I was, and I don't have to keep acting out, and I don't have to have the bondages and the addictions and the mess and the turmoil and the drama and the heartbreak that everybody on the other path... See, they never show you. I mean, without making it sound like a sin, the wide path is Facebook that most people put out their best performance. You put your best picture with your kids being the best that they are. If we only had a snapshot of five minutes before and five minutes after, then we'd have real life. Where they were clawing, screaming, kicking, pulling hair, and you finally said, that's it, I've had enough. Stop, we're going to take this picture so I can post it on Facebook so everybody thinks we're a normal family. That's the wide path. And for those of you that struggle with this this morning, here's, here's the, the horrible lure of the wide path. You'll find somebody that's got a story similar to yours. You know, my marriage is so bad, and oh, we can be good walking companions. Let's talk about this. My finances are so much a mess, and, and man, I've been a victim of this and that. And you'll find somebody that can relate to you. You'll find a familiar spirit there. And they seem to make great walking partners, but guess where they're leading you to? How refreshing would it be when you hear somebody say, I used to have to deal with that, and I traded paths. I left that baggage at the entrance. I left all that stuff at the entrance, and it's just me and God on this path that leads to life. And it doesn't mean I don't care about the people around me, but the reality is He guides me, and I follow Him, because if He's leading to life, I want to go where He's going, and I'm going to stop where He stops. I want to say what He says. I want to do what He says. Why would I want to do differently if I want life? See, as Americans, we think we should be able to have it both, but I'm telling you, If you think you can have it both, you're on the wrong path. It's as simple as it is. I don't get to judge whether you're really saved or not. I'm not even talking about that. But what a waste of a life to be really saved and still walking the wide path. And I've just seen it. I've, I've seen it over and over. It's one of the most surprising things that I've ever seen as a pastor. I've heard all kinds of stories of horrible things that people have done and, and incredible things that people have done and, and horrible things that have happened to church and incredible things that have happened to church. But the horrible story that I've seen is somebody that said that they were saved but didn't choose a narrow path and their life is a mess. And they're wondering, God, why aren't you helping? Why isn't this working? Why does it seem like nothing has changed? You know why it hasn't changed? You're still on the wide path. And you can claim Christ all that you want on the wide path, but if you don't change course, guess where you end up? And you may think that that sounds like false doctrine, but read your New Testament and you'll see crazy scriptures says something like this. They came to him and they said, Lord, Lord. Now you're not going to call him Lord if you don't think he's Lord. And they didn't say dude, they said Lord. And you know what he said to them? I don't know you. How could it be that somebody would call him Lord, and yet God says, I don't know you. Could it be they were on the wrong path? And so I'm just telling you flat out, it takes more than just an intellectual concept, I believe there's a God, for you to live a life that ends in eternal life. It takes more than an experience at youth camp or an altar where you blew snot bubbles and said, I'm going to be free, and then you still walk the path that you want to walk. You're still on the wrong path. You know what it takes? A decision. He gave us this book for a reason, not to put you asleep at night as you read it. That wasn't the part of that. He did give us Leviticus for that. 
just because he's a good God. (laughs) This should be our Google. This should be our maps. This should be everything. It's got all the apps that you need to live the life that you need. The hard part is you've got to figure out which path you want to be on. Because there are people that will tell you, it doesn't matter, man. Grace. Beware of false teachers. And if, why would you do this disservice of showing your children and confusing them? You want to know why? This is my personal opinion. Don't hold this to the word this morning. You want to know why there's a whole generation that checked out of church? Is they just saw their parents engage in religion and walking the wide path. And they got divorced, and they had problems, and they fought like dogs, and they were just horrible people until they came to church, and they dressed up right, and they went to church, and they sat and they listened, but they didn't live it. And the kids said, why would I want that? And when they got old enough, they didn't choose that. (laughs) But here's what I know, and here's what you know. There are so many people out there hungry, really, for truth and hope and peace. And as soon as you start to talk about Jesus, they're going to click you off. I got it. But what if you just show them the way by how you live, by how you love? Doesn't he say that, right? That's verse 12. That's how this all ties in. See, I had to make some of those decisions because I I understood very clearly there's a path set before me. And am I going to show my kids what alcoholism looks like? And a violent-tempered person? And a destroyed marriage? And a person with a horrible attitude and a horrible mouth? Regardless of where I sit for a couple hours on a certain day of the week, or am I going to choose a different path? And it took me a while. It took me way too long, in my opinion. I didn't get saved until I was 21. And even then, it was a process, and I put my poor wife through the test of asking all these questions. Why this? And prove that. Because I was about science and proof, and I didn't make a fool of. But I can also tell you this. You know what the biggest change was? I decided I was going to take that path, and then I stuck to it. And it doesn't mean that it hasn't been some times where I'm confused, and I've messed up, and I've fallen. We all do. That's called life. But I'm falling forward. I'm not falling for that trickery anymore. I'm not falling for that mess anymore that tells me, hey, it's okay, just be the truest you you can be. The truest me is the one that's drunk and laying in his own puke. Woohoo, happy. The truest me is the one that's estranged my children and my wife. The truest me is the guy that jumps from job to job and can't find a place because all these guys are jerks. The truest me is the one that questions truth and just embraces what I want to do as the best thing that there ever could be. Or there's another path that says that there is truth and it is freeing and it is life-giving and it is so much better than that other path, even though it doesn't look like it's as easy because it's not, because it's about making choices. And maybe some of you have never done that. You just thought, all I have to do is just confess Christ. That's the first step. That's just showing up at the narrow path. But you have to choose to walk it every day. There's lots of times, I'm telling you, I'm authentic. There's lots of times where I'm saying, I'm not sure this is worth it. Until I remember where I came from. Until I remember what God's done for me. Some of it hard, but none of it bad. And everything that I've, quote, lost is not lost at all. When, when you walk the narrow path long enough, you'll understand, like Paul, that says, I count it all joy, and all that stuff in the past, I count it as dung. It's just refuse. It's not worth looking around, staring at it, or bringing it with me. It's just to be left and buried, put it to rest. That's a choice. And notice I'm not talking about, hey, you need to wear a suit and tie. I'm not talking about you need to have 58 verses memorized. I haven't said any of that this morning, have I? But I am saying this. If you don't know how you're supposed to live, 
You are guiding people on the wrong path. You're guiding your children on the wrong path. Maybe you're guiding your spouse on the wrong path. And maybe, just maybe, that's why they don't want to hear what you have to say because you look like you're walking in the same direction they are. And it's so simple this morning, without any guilt or shame, but just realizing, hey, remember what I said about being so lost you didn't know you're lost? How about now somebody just handed you a compass? And now you know you're not lost anymore, and it also shows you how to get back. Not to where you were, but to a different path, the path that leads out of the mess, out of the problems, out of the stuff, and to life. Because I tell you, you can love God with all your heart, at least that's what you say, but you keep making those stupid decisions, you keep living like the world, and you will have wasted your life, the abundant life that you said that you could have. And you'll wonder, I thought it was going to be different. It was supposed to be. <laughs> it was supposed to be. We, our lives should look so different than the world today. Fifty years ago, we didn't look that much different. The world was still a, a pretty much Christian place in, in America. But we've gone so far away from that that our lives should be a drastic contrast to how people are living their lives and what's so worrisome is that they're not. In general, the average church person looks just like the person that is still on the wide path. How about you this morning? I've given that information. God has now revealed that there's two paths. Where will this lead? When you get home and you've got a decision to make, you need to ask yourself that question. Where will this lead? got a decision to make. Where will this lead? And when you don't know what to do, here's the great news. When you don't know what to do, we pray and we say, Lord, what would you do? That's why we call him Lord. That's why we call him Master. That's why we call ourselves followers of Jesus. (laughs) That we look at his footprints. Oh, he chose this way. Then that's the way I choose. The problem is when we say we follow Jesus, but every time and every twist and every decision, we follow the teeming hordes And we do what they do. And then, the height of our arrogance and ignorance, we shake our fist at God. Where were you? And if I was God, I'd say, on the narrow path, where were you? I've been leading you all the way. Where where were you in that decision? Were you following me? Uh... Did you make the decision that my word clearly defined? Or did you ask a friend? Or did you call a hotline or consult a psychic? Or did you Google it? Sounds like wide path to me. So let me just share with you the best news of all, which is this. You've been invited. By his death and sacrifice, you've been invited to now see the narrow path. You couldn't see it before. You had to see it with spiritual eyes. But now I've described it to you. Now you know it's there. Now the question is, do you want that kind of a life? A life that's what some would call restricted and narrow-minded, but leads to life, or do you not? The narrow path is not just for salvation. That only comes from choosing Jesus Christ, not a lifestyle, but for anyone and everyone to follow him on a much-needed narrow path. I mean, come on. We're picking up more and more burdens, more and more bondages, more and more mess, more and more drama with each passing generation. That stuff just doesn't fit in the narrow passageway that Christ calls us to. This is a path that's minus the pain, the hang-ups, the ego, the baggage, the heavy burdens, the religion, and the convoluted teaching of men that try to tell you that there's somehow, some way, some mystical. It's just a choice, folks. It's just a choice. And don't think that you're so terrible this morning. You're just human. Like I said, everybody balks at this. I mean, that's why the airlines hate us. 
As I said before, right? So then when they say you need to bring on something that's such and such dimensions, you don't care about the dimensions. You don't even measure your stuff when you buy it. So then what do they do? They've got to make a little box. And if it doesn't fit in this box, then you have to check the baggage. And what happens? We know that. If you've ever flown, you know that. But then when they tell you you've got to check your stuff, what do you do? You joyously say, thank you so much for saving me from being a rule breaker. Thank you that you're going to check this baggage for me. No, we don't get that. We get upset. We get angry. We get hostile. We get argumentative. What do you mean? It's only three inches off. It only weighs 60 pounds. I know it's supposed to be 50, but come on. Did you know the rules and the standards? Did you know we are going to force them? I can understand us being upset if it changed every week, right? (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) God's Word doesn't change, folks. Our ability to change and put ourselves in different court, it doesn't change either. You can do it today. You can do it tomorrow. I would suggest the sooner the better. But sometimes our own teachings get in the way. This is through a turnstile. Think about that. Have you ever been through a turnstile? And to me, there's two kinds. And the one that, that is, is the best illustration here is that, like, if you go to the fair or something, they've got those hideous little uh, monster things that have a, a rotating set of uh, limbs that stick out that you've got to walk through, and it clicks as they're measuring how many people come through. Now, that's a turnstile. But the ones that I hate particularly are the ones that are tall, and it's got, like, a rotating door on the inside with all those little levers on the inside, and you're like... And you hope that somebody's not on the other side getting stuck because then you're stuck? You've been through one of those? How much baggage do you get to bring through those? I mean, you don't even have a bulky coat on when you go through those things. You see what he's trying to say? Is, Look it. You'll make it through. Just leave all that stuff. Check it. Check that at the door. <laughs> Just you following God will help lead to the path of life. <laughs> you don't need that other stuff. It'll be okay. This self-serving, this compromise, this negative, this world-based life that won't give you hope, joy, or peace. But you choose the narrow path, and it'll give you life more abundantly. Now you know why so few people choose it. The wide path is easier. It's established. It's already been beaten down, and there are already so many people on it. How could they possibly be wrong? 